thing. You know what I mean? You can see that a lot on Facebook. You see that in uh, Facebook groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't talk about comedy. Be funny. Yeah. That's it. And it's and it's the fact that like you have to earn your. I sometimes you have to earn your stripes. It's like this. Like it was a point when I used to play football that you want to sit there and the guy in the gym who's out of shape. You don't really want to. Or the guy who's not. Uh, you know, he's not in shape or he's just he's. He has the potential to be better, but he's the one to the blowhard. He's, he's got in, that good bone structure. Yeah, but and there's he's, nothing yeah. on him. <laughs> he's cement. Yeah, he's, a, he's blessed with symmetry. You know yeah. what I mean? And then, but he thinks he understands something because people give him some props or just some advantages. But and he got laid last night, and there's all this confidence coming out of nowhere with him. Yeah, that's why yeah. he's so calm. He's, his yeah. balls are drained. You know what yeah. I mean? So he's just sitting there talking to you, and but it's the guy, that guy. You always have to look at a grain of salt because you have to understand, like, you don't really want to say it's not always about making major accomplishments because sometimes if you work with them in a, in a system, it doesn't mean that you have greater, you, you're greater. I mean, you've done the work to get involved. And especially comedy, it's such a crapshoot. You understand? Because you know, because it, it's like your comedy is work, always working against you to see if you're going to make it. But you know? do, you, do you grind anymore? Do you do you? I don't see you at all. You don't have to open mic anymore. You just. Oh, you no. Know, I, you know, it's shows. funny. I told my old lady that I, I, for the last three weeks, I wasn't trying to be an elitist. I just was trying to like do, I'm trying to do other things like this and trying to, you know, get everything like set up, you know, like at night, set like email bookers on stuff. But I was noticing that you're running into like a lot of the, your, your own, uh, running into my own pitfalls. Like, you know, like, like, you know, not switching up the set or, you know, some shows like I was, you know, the stakes are a little higher. So you just kind of fall back on your opener or closer or what you're known for. And I, w and I went to La Rocca's three weeks ago. I forgot that den of maniacs there because some. Yeah, he hosts it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he hosts it great because he's there. And the great thing about it is when you, you forget where you, you, you forget like what rooms, oh, you forget what rooms. Uh, very con you're very confident in because you know the stage that's why it's so funny what i tell people like if you want to do cobs don't feel bad about doing bringer shows honestly because the thing about it is in the in the in the long run whatever you do with your career you're going to do with it and there's opportunity to know your awareness your experience but like if you want to get your footing like like here's an example i never did uh less than a month like three weeks ago i did about i did the palace of fine arts and I opened for Yvonne Orgy, or I think that's, I hope that's her name. Ivana Orgy, yeah. right now, uh, tonight. <laughs> old vaudeville, old, yeah, so old vaudeville, like, you know, hardcore comic. Ivana Orgy, she's on Insecure, and I always wanted to do Palace of Fine Arts. It's about 900 seats, maybe 1,000. And it's and if you don't do it a lot, that shit can be scary. Out, is that outside or is that inside? Oh, I miss that building. Yeah, it's great. They have other rooms. They have two hundred seaters and all that stuff. But the big one is crazy. And the funny thing about it was, I don't know why I was nervous because I had a sense it wasn't gonna pack out because she's famous, but she's black people famous. You know what I'm saying? That's a different way. And, and the Palace of Fine Arts, black people perform there. But Yvonne isn't. And this is no disrespect to her. I think she even knew herself. Like she was. She's. She's famous from Insecure. And it's a big show, but to fill 900 seats, it'd be like it'd be you know you know it'd be major if every show she did was taping a special, you know what I mean? And it was like black market or blacklist tickets or some shit. So I get there and I and I said, okay, let me just I get there early, so 
like and just kind of chill. And I make sure that before the show really gets, uh, you know, they start loading in. I just walk out on the stage and walk it. And I jump off. And I just walk around because I just want to feel it all and kind of demystify, like, what is happening or what I think could happen. Because you want to see yourself. I don't I don't go up there and start, like, some comics have really weird traditions. Like, my boy Reggie Steele, he'll, like, shadow box in the back of the punchline. And if you see Reggie, Reggie's 6'3", 280 pounds, all muscle mostly. And he can see and it's a comic, it's a seasoned comic. You're like, if you didn't know him, you're like, oh, God, he's going to bomb so bad. Or if you watch Brian Callen, he's like dancing around and doing stretches. If you didn't know he needs to get his energy up, you and he's already put, he's prepared. You know, some guys. They, That's how you get a comedy injury, though, when you have those physical routines like that. Come what? on, it's a dangerous sport. Yeah, but you got to train yourself. Yeah. You got to take amino acids. You know yeah, I mean? take yeah. pre-workout. Yeah. yeah, treat like crunch fitness, you know what I mean? I uh, I used to take, uh, I remember me and Gary Anderson, we were addicted to taking this energy candy called Bang. 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 It had two A's. Bang, right? And I would take it a half hour before my set. And, geez, I mean, I don't know, I because I sometimes would have, you know, as you get older, you get depleted. Your energy gets depleted. Your, well, sometimes your What does will. that have, like taurine and caffeine? Oh, in it? bro, it had, it was such a small candy. But it was so many chemicals in one thing. I, what was the come down like from that? Dude, the, Monday. That was the come down, dude. <laughs> I, would, I remember I took a bang at the punchline. I demolished. Like, I, had, I don't, and the funny thing was, people think I could, I'm always up at the punchline. It's, there, it's only been uh, so many I mean, beyond just doing like a week of work. But I was up there. I wanted to make a point. Really, I want to see how hard I could do it. So me and Gary took a bang. And Gary Anderson is one of those comics where he's good looking, but he you can look at him and tell that God is real because he's balding at a very rapid rate. You know what I mean? And a bald-headed black guy, thank God he has such a nice head. So he shaved his head, and he's 5'9", maybe 5'8". why is God real? God's real because if he was six feet, whatever, six foot two, head of hair, Oh, yeah, it wouldn't be fair. It would not be yeah. fair. There's nothing worse in comedy when you see, because, like, like, you know what's funny? Everyone assumes most male comedians are ugly. I think most male comedians are moderately attractive. I think even if you have a representative of their, of their, of their like, look, of their type, like, you're a good looking guy. Like, see, but that's your problem. You think like a white guy. Fair, fair. Your neck's too small. But that's see, the only thing I have. No, it's, he's got a good neck. I got to protect this neck after my incident over the weekend. What happened? I don't even know. I just woke up and I could. Whoa, whoa, move wait. My you head. can't start a sentence after my incident this weekend and follow. I don't know. Like it's memento. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it's drawn on your chest. You know, you have to. There has to be some context. You woke up and you, you just woke up in the wrong place? I, I woke up and literally I couldn't turn my head. I, like, I, I went to work and I, was, I, was, I had to swivel to talk to people. I would be like, uh, hello. So you have a repetitive stress injury from work because you're doing too much with your uh, mouse and it's affecting your uh, where your shoulder attaches to your neck. And so it's you're you're overcompensating. You have to like if you could use your left hand with your mouth, you're doing too much on the computer. Use your left hand. That's it. That's your advice. Yeah. Left hand. 
And but that's that's the that's the hand he used to put the belt around or, his neck. Or that's more, or more ergonomic. <laughs> that the you're you're hunching with your shoulder and you're it, it's you're engaging the the thing. Do you that. know this from experience? You don't. Were you a deski in a past life? No, but am I, I have friends that are in the massage business. <laughs> <laughs> and they have this injury or they treat this injury? They treat this injury? It seems like they would have this injury too, like the mouse and the massage. Like what is a massage except for just mouse-like movements except with more force? Bro, no. Have you had a massage before? I used to be a masseuse. Wait a minute, what? what I used to work for, I used to work for a chiropractor and my job was to warm the people up. And it sounds a little bit sexual, and it is. <laughs> Was there a feather involved? No feather involved, except for uh, my dexterous hands, which are feather-like, people have said. Uh, yeah. So you, so you warm the people up, and then the chiropractor comes in, and he adjusts you. Did, um, this is interesting, because there is a certain number of Bay Area comedians who are masseuses, and like you, Gabby Placia, uh Liz Grant... Uh, see, well, Sam Gilway is on the but she got fingered by one. So uh, that, that, that 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 is some kind by of by the training. transitive property. Yeah, she's yeah. a masseuse. Yeah. <laughs> she's <laughs> <the best> property. <laughs> yeah. And Liz Grant had a one-woman show about being a masseuse, and I didn't see it, but people said it was riveting and and informative. And I've always been wondering, like, what happens with a male masseuse? Because everyone assumes if you're going to get a massage. It is by an Asian woman that's brought here by slavery. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's the more enslaved, the better it is. I had one last night on Polk so Street. Oh, yeah. And the more she hates, like you, like the more she doesn't want to look you in the eye, she just like really gets it. Last night, me and my lady went and got a massage on Polk Street. And they, first of all, the one, it's funny, but you ever, okay, here's the funny thing. When, if you, you got to judge your massage parlor by how high the ranking is on rub maps. You ever know what rub maps? Oh, are? I know what rub maps is. Wait, did you just now? Are you are nodding in agreement? Are you no, shaking I your don't hand? No, I don't know shit about rub maps. Rub Please maps is a is a website that uh, uh, informs you how many uh, massage parlors to give happy endings across the country. Damn. Yeah. But here, here's the thing with that: if if you're really high on rub maps, you're probably going to be checking the rankings as a massage yeah. parlor. You're going to be checking the rankings. If hand jobs are the thing you're best at, you're probably going to start to slack in the other areas. And I kind of want this. <laughs> All around massage, you know. See, so you, so you the. So I want like a number thirteen. I want the thirteenth best on rub maps. So I, they're gonna jerk me I off. Love they're it. gonna make me come, but I, they're gonna give me a goddamn good massage too. So it's kind of like ordering. It's map. like ordering a McDonald's meal. You want a number four mixed with a five. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. So you really want back, neck, rub out. Oh, I'll, go, I'll go to two play. I'll go to two massage parlors, knowing that one has a better massage and then one will make me come. <laughs> So that's what, so that should be the way they actually. Yeah, you know, on Polk Street, there are there's like it felt if it looks like every two blocks there's a massage parlor. That would be great if everyone had like competing signs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like free rub out. Like stats. Like <laughs> yeah. How, how would they market it? Is it like? It'd be like McDonald's, like you, a million came. You, you know what I mean? Is it came right there? Ding 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 ding. Or like you ever see that meter on Market Street that shows you how many bicycles have passed by? Yeah. It's just like a laser. It's just like it's a bunch of driplets. Yeah, it's just come laser. But but the interesting thing about this was my second. This is my second massage ever because my girlfriend's really she's really into 
she's a Santa Cruz kind of person. So she's really into, you know, uh, you know, uh, Eastern philosophy and health or anything. So I go in and what I will say this, I'm really interested in getting different levels of massages. Cause right now I'm going to the Chinese slavery ones, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so sad. Ooh, be worried about that coronavirus, man. Bro, I, I felt sick today. And look, God love me. Tell him to put the gloves on. Seriously, dude, don't this play. This dude grabbed me. And first of all, here's what I felt. I felt a little fat shamed. Because they, we came in there and they changed the music to Lizzo. And I really thought that was a little <laughs> I was a little I was a little worried about where we we're going with this. And they see me and they go, Oh, big boy. Right. And I go, I'm a man. Right. And they go <laughs> and they bring out the the big remember in Inglorious Bastards when they had the big Jew? And it was like, oh no, the bear Jew, the bear Jew. Yeah, the bear Jew. Yeah. They brought the bear Chinese guy, and, and this the guy, baseball bat. Ding. He, dude, Ding. his fingers were baseball. This guy was he was six two. First of all, rarity, six two Asian dude, yeah. right? Big Yao Ming, not kind of a like bucket head, and he comes out big dick fingers, right? Gets these crazy unfried egg rolls of hands, right? <laughs> he comes out and he gets and he's head down. Put head down. Now, you know, if he knew all the English, I wouldn't trust him, right? But he knew about 300 words straight up, right? He said, head, put head down, head down. The right 300 words. The right, all yeah, the, the right. Yeah, it wasn't like, yeah, it yeah. wasn't doing like spelling bee words, you know what I mean? So he comes up, he put the head down, and, it was, and I forget that the hole, you have to put your head in, right? And I didn't really realize what the hole was. It's the drool in. I, I, <laughs> oh, oh, that's dude. what it is? Dumb. They put a bucket? Yes, and you know what? It was the bottom of the bucket. All the free candies they give you. So uh, I spit mine out. And it went tink, and it, it and it was just on another like candy. The <laughs> <laughs> he starts rubbing me, and oh, first of all, before I do it, it's interesting. I saw a friend of mine, Drew, who I was supposed to talk to this week because I was supposed to give her this projector, and she was there. And look, there's the thing about it. Like, don't act like you're broke if you're getting a massage. Like she's all woe is me. I need get it when you a woman is on Facebook begging for shit. Like can somebody give me something? You gotta be hot. I'm stressed because I have no money. I need to go get a massage. Yeah, I'm getting a fifty dollar massage, and then she's like, oh, and then she said, this. She said this thing that I thought like it wasn't disrespectful, but you gotta, uh, you gotta, you can't underestimate the you know the worker. She's like, oh my god, it was like. It was almost sexual, and it's like I don't. As a man, I don't want to hear that. Like I don't, because the guy I'm getting is now gonna rub me down, and I don't want to come. I don't, I want to get. I want to get feel better. So she was all, and she felt all better. So the dude put my face down, and he just started rubbing. And I don't know what your style is. It probably felt pretty good, right? No, there was a lot of it. I was in fucking pain, oh, really? dude. I was, but. There were so many once you got once you started not when I didn't resist. Oh my god. Dude. Oh, it's like taking acid. You just kinda of fucking roll with the punches. Whoa, okay, now Trust and surrender. I, wait, have you done acid? Yeah. No, I, I, we already know. I mean we man, it's like <laughs> Do we? Hey, have you done acid? Have I done acid? Yeah. That is like does a bear shit in the woods? Well, I How didn't want to assume. I didn't want to assume. I've known you for a while and I just assume you're high on life. You know what yeah, I mean? I but like I remember when I met you in Monica. Oh my God. Back in the day. Back, back when I, you knew me when I was a poet, which was really yeah, when I was pretentious. 
I was pretentious. But she's as a good a, poet. Oh, thank you. At the old school, and when Amnesia was really yeah, popping. when Amnesia before, and it's been sold and it's going away now. Yeah, that was and Amnesia was the first place I did comedy, and it was easy because I'd always done poetry there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's that's the thing about being a poet and going to comedy is that you have a totally different perspective on the audience. If they're quiet and paying attention, I'm like, that was a good set. They don't necessarily have to laugh because I'm coming from poetry where they're just if they're listening and not getting a drink and not looking at their phone. That's a win for me. So yeah. it's it completely changed my perspective on comedy. So when I go to the brainwash, if people aren't laughing hysterically, it didn't matter. It was like, oh, but it's silent in the room. Yeah, Win- winning. Yeah, because that was the thing about when you made it. When you made the when you couldn't made it. You converted to comedy because I was when I saw because well you don't realize about the old amnesia. It was so high in the air. You look like a dictator, you know. And, and you would get up there, and she was really good, and she had her fans. And she was a former teacher, right? You used to teach. So she got up there and right and there was a there was a you were a little bit different. You um Sometimes I'd take my shirt off if no one was paying attention. I'd be like, if I take my shirt off, will you listen to me do poems? And people were like, Yeah. And so I'd just do poems in my bra. And I'd be like, I'm a feminist. Look at this feminist act. It was and I <laughs> no one mean, listens you, to you unless you're skinny and pretty. <laughs> yeah, no, and, <laughs> Look and at I, me. I think that's when I really understand that like to get that message conveyed, because you get yeah, cause you're a thin woman uh, who is uh, over 30, yeah, right? You know, yeah. and you're thin, and people listen because you're not a big old slob up there just yelling and shit. Cause that's what you expect. You know, she's using the eyes, is spam. No, cause you ever go to watch slam poetry and watch ugly teens <laughs> get up there, just yelling? You're like, well, if you put some clear seal on your fucking face, and then you maybe. Just maybe did your hair. Maybe you'd have a different t- So like, But then all the pain and inspiration would go away. Yeah, but it's just like, I, dude, I used to work with youth. I got tired of going to poetry jams because it's just all these ugly kids. And, you know, they just want to be heard. And they it's could do like, it in the dark, though. Huh? Uh, they could do it in the dark so you wouldn't have to look at them. Oh, dude. Dude, see, you should get out of comedy and you should be making producing. That, see, you know what's producing? so goofy about comedy? I, I have written some poetry. Oh, I bet uh, you I have. I read Pam's, though. Wait, no, no. What is your poetry about? Um, that's a really hard question. No, it's bad. In high school, in high school, I wrote terrible poems about. Can you bring un- one? Can you love. bring one next time? Yeah, I could bring some poems. I would love to have a, a bright light on you in a dark room, in a room of people, and you read your saddest poems. I bet they're really tearjerkers. I, I have one, uh, one breakup poem or breakup inspired poem i don't want to reduce it did you send it to her after you wrote it oh no not at all can you send it to her now and get a response by email like i've been thinking about you what's her name mia 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 farrow mia no no mia what's her stepdaughter soon young kim (laughs) i wish no Um, she's hot can we call her up right now and have you read the poem oh (laughs) we have the 415-550-0511 um, but, but poets have different voices, so it's not fair to say like which particular voice. I have like, a, I have a poetry voice that's like comedic and witty, yeah. and I have one that's like, like super deep and like smart. And there's different. There's like the super pretentious ones where I'm like, I'm a communist, change the world, and there's all that. So there's different voices. What do you that think people, people responded to the most when you? I mean, like, I mean, My, at your height, like your your zenith when you're up there when you're up there performing in the scene. Which one do you think? It was all the stuff that then brought me to comedy, the comedic poems that were all performative. That I was like, um, you, you know, at 16th and Mission, I, people would ask. Charlie Getter always said, "I was like, I don't like doing the same poems. I like doing different stuff." And he's like, 
Pam, if you don't do the same poems, how are they going to ask for requests? And I was like, oh, shit. So I started, I had a couple poems that were like, people would yell them. They'd be like, do 16th and whatever, or 19th. Can you give us a couple bars? I actually, well. Zombies. You got to read from zombies. I can, I can read it. You got zombies? So silly, I have it. <laughs> so there was a here's a comedic one that was published in a stupid zine there's i get i got published a lot this is this is fun i wrote this before zombies were cool i wrote this like before when have Walking zombies Dead. ever not been cool well you know that's an easy question to answer when the cranberries sang that song zombies it, that was terrible, and it was like zombies, zombies. It's like fucking what is? It would have been a great song if you didn't say zombies over and over. But then zombies became very popular, and so that now that song is cool again. Anyway, this was a poem. This is so embarrassing, but this is a comedic poem that I wrote about zombies. Okay. Uh, my zombie ex fucks litter this city. I can't go to a bar anymore without rotten skin dripping into my whiskey, which is pretty fucking gross. Half-alive boys drag their feet down 19th Street. One is missing an arm. A tragic combine incident on the homestead left him for dead. Now he sips bullet from a straw. The ginger back bathes his decaying gullet. He left a finger for a tip. <sighs> I didn't even know one was undead until he lost his hand in my vagina. It just broke off at the wrist. So I slipped a condom around his bones and tried to come anyway. Oh, I did, then left him for dead. My zombie ex-fucks groan and foam from open sores. I'm sure they wouldn't tell the story even if they could talk. Communication with a zombie is more difficult than you think. So I will get another drink and get another drink and get another drink because I can see past death if I'm drunk. Right? Okay. Talk so about I try it. to be comedic. Uh, that, no, wow, that... Poor zombie. That is the well, worst I, case of blue balls ever. Well, and <laughs> I don't know if zombie, I mean, if zombies' balls would probably want to be the first thing that fell off. But 19th Street is a thing. And this is a story. I mean, there was a bartender at the homestead that I had issues with. Um, and I was drinking a lot of whiskey at that time. So this was like a very true to life. Like, and I, these are my Bukowski days where I was like, I'm in graduate school and I'm just going to be drunk all the time and write poems in bar bathrooms. Like, that was what I was doing. Like, Hanging out in bar bathrooms, writing really? poems. You oh, yeah. You, how long would you would you stay there for, like, I mean, be, I mean, hours? No, not hours. Well, the back room at Bender's used to be a place that I hung out a lot. And then one time I fell off a stool. Oh, and gave myself a black eye. I thought that was super cute. Um, but, no, I'd go into, like, I'd I'd sit in the bar bathrooms for until I wrote a poem, something quick, and I'd go out. This is a sidebar. You heal very quick. Oh, thank You're you. You're like Wolverine. Right, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> didn't it, like, last week yeah. you had, like, no. your whole face was, like, it a was, moon emoji it was, or something? It was the first of the it was the first twenty two days ago, right? Ah. Twenty four days ago. So I'm twenty four days sober. Hey. Thanks for being here, Ian. He's a good writer. Well we can yeah. we gotta get out of here too, or we gotta go to delirium and do yeah, and let's, do let's jokes. Let's all get out of here. Maybe go see yeah. Warhol and right on. Uh cool. Let me show you how to Cool. Uh, put up, put up uh, CD one, and then we'll all say goodbye. This was Kasim Bentley and Ian Bardenstein and Sam Carroll and Pam Benjamin just talking shit. Yay! The waters grew Irish people's crops till the white man stole their water rights and the sparkling water stopped. Now Irish folks were.
Thanks so much for tuning in. We are broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We are in San Francisco. We're on Ohlone land. Please do uh, read more about the land we're on. There are many sources out there. One is remetush.com, and that's R-A-M-A-Y-T-U-S-H.com. And you can read about the history of the land and folks who are still here. And you can also, I would encourage folks to contribute to the Shumi Land Tax, and that's S-H-U-U-M-I Land Tax. We'll bring you to the page of the Segorate Land Trust next day. Um, yeah, we have a show coming up. Wow, what a week. Wow, okay. So uh, I've planned a little bit here. We have, I guess, scheduled to call in around 1230. And also... I just want to provide information because there's just a lot of information about mutual aid and I've, you know, certainly can't rely on the government to do much besides lie to us and steal from us. So, yeah, that's what I'm planning to do today. Oh, I've definitely been, yeah, feeling there's a lot, you know, a lot of stress and a fear and anxiety going on and wanting to also just be in the moment and take it day by day and... Think about how to care for one another, and and that's it. I didn't really meditate this morning, so I feel a little bit maybe on edge or jittery or not as clear-headed as I would like. Maybe once I get some words out, I might feel a little bit more of a, a release. I know I certainly feel like, ah, I've been talking to folks and writing, and also it's the idea of what so many folks have been working to prevent or to have protections in place, such as universal health care, paid sick leave, uh, worker worker protections. There are so many things that if they were in place, certainly we, I think a lot of the anxiety and fear and frustration that folks are feeling, it wouldn't be happening right now. However, we live in a capitalist country that puts profits over people and has for quite some time now. And many folks have been working for generations to undo that, to push back 
And if we're going to have people in positions of power, have folks who know what they're talking about and who actually care about one another. Unfortunately, uh, we, we don't really get that for the most part. And it's, it's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of like why, why we're here now. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't come as a surprise, recognizing that people have been screaming and yelling and righteously being angry about the fact that folks aren't getting their needs met and haven't been able to get their needs met. Meanwhile, billionaires and corporations can do whatever the fuck they want and everyone else has to pay that price. And so now, in the midst of this pandemic, we're really just seeing everything exposed for what it is, although many folks were already like, yeah, this is fucked up. We need to do something to fix this. And people kept on pushing back, either because they were comfortable or because there was so much brainwashing from corporate media or because it wasn't affecting, affecting them or their families or their friends directly. And for a lot of us, that wasn't, we don't, we didn't have that opportunity or we didn't have that. We weren't living that kind of life where everything was okay or we didn't have to care about people being bombed abroad or having their, having there be embargoes. Speaking of embargoes, Cuba has a developed a vaccine for uh, COVID-19. And there was a, an article in the Mazatlan post recently about how uh, Cuban doctors were going to Mexico to, share information about that research and how there's been so much in my lifetime, certainly, and I'm sure even, yeah, definitely before I was born, just how much anti-socialist, anti-communist rhetoric there's been in this country and anti-Cuban rhetoric. And meanwhile, they have a fucking incredible healthcare system. They have um, too many, not too many, that's not the right word. They have uh, an incredible amount of there's a word for this, and I just it's not coming to me at the moment. Surplus, maybe? Um, well, I don't think you could ever have a surplus of healthcare professionals, but there are so many folks who have um, in Cuba just gone to med school and are totally capable of administering medicine because their healthcare program is so strong and their literacy program there is so strong. Meanwhile, in the U.S., uh, it's... We, there's still like a lack of tests. I, I heard in Seattle, there was once, uh, uh, I don't want to say anything that's not true. So from what my understanding of it was that there was a place and they, they were told not to do any testing, but they're like, fuck this, people need to be tested. And they kind of just went through and did it anyway because they believe in helping people. And hopefully there'll be more of that. People just coming through and doing what needs to be done to help protect one another, which was already being done anyway. And I think now, again, this is kind of just, there's more and more folks uh, realizing this is what needs to be done because we can't rely on the powers that be to take care of us because they really, they don't, honestly, they don't care. And speaking of them not caring, oh my gosh, how many examples are there? Recently, they decided like, to bail out. Oh, goodness, I've, I've lost track of the number of businesses that they've decided to bail out, but it's really, you know, like the oil, the fossil fuel companies, airline, banks, cruise ships, that kind of thing where um, also folks who happen to have a correlation with polluting the earth. I mean, we know that the biggest polluter in the world is the U.S. military, uh, and yet that's where most of our tax dollars go. That's where so much funding goes. And at any time, they could have chosen to use those funds for libraries, schools, healthcare, 
provide housing for people, all things that would make everything better. And I've been harping on this a lot, and many folks have as well. It's this idea that society is only as healthy as its most vulnerable population. So even if you're a greedy, selfish, self-centered, narcissistic person, as and I think it's kind of hard not to be, again, in this culture that really promotes that in, that rugged individualism and that, like, I can do everything on my own. And even though we live uh, interconnectedly and so much of what we benefit from are things that have been done before us and have been cooperatively built. <sighs> Even if you are the most selfish person in the world, don't you, you still would benefit from everyone around you being healthy and taken care of and being happy and satisfied and feeling like they belong in this world and feeling protected. Like, I don't, ugh, it's that, ugh. Anyway, so speaking of people not feeling protected, there are apparently Bolsonaro uh, tested positive for COVID-19. And there's a lot of speculation that uh, fuckface, I guess fuckface could apply to a lot of people, unfortunately, in this current administration and, and abroad. So I'm not being specific, but maybe you, I'll just psychically send it out. That person gave, gave an address. I did not watch it because I can't really stand him. Um, but he, apparently he looked pretty sick as well. So, again, the thing is that viruses do not discriminate. Although I would say if you do have a lot of capital, you do have a leg up in terms of accessing uh, medication and help and research and all of that. However, at the end of the day, uh, viruses do not discriminate. And also, I mean, it's also... I mean, I was a kid in the 80s, um, so I do my recollections of HIV and AIDS and the battle for folks to get health care and to be taken seriously while people were mourning and having their loved ones die every week. Um, that kind of, even though I didn't live through it as an adult, from what I've read about it and from talking to folks who have lived through it, it seems very, there's this uh, similar feeling in a lot of ways of this panic and this victim blaming and the fact that the government's being completely irresponsible and unhelpful. So that's also what I've been thinking of. Also with healthcare, ugh, I don't mean to be able to go on a bad news rant, but I guess that's what, if you've been listening to this show for the past six years, that's kind of what happens because I do want to address what's happening in the world. And uh, we got a, a call. So I'm going to uh, play the next song and be back in a bit. Waiting on my own, waiting for a clue. Summer wind has hit the bins, pepper in the view. Round here, they say it's dog eat dog bird. It's more like pigeon eating fried chicken on the street. There's always 
swear I missed an episode The dogs are barking in Morse code Squirrels' tails in summer four Like they're trying to tell us Welcome back to Week of Review. Currently playing the company Walking Like We Like That. Walking Like We Mean. And I did want to share a few resources. I'll be reading from them a little bit later, but I did want to also just share the names, the titles of the articles, so folks can find them now if they can. And or if I don't get around to reading them completely by the end of the program. The first is just an informational article uh, from medium.com written by O-M-A-S-E-O, and it came out on the 10th, it's been updated, uh, oh yeah, today's the 13th, I say 14th, it is the 13th, March 13th, so it was, it's been updated today, um, which kind of reflects an update on containment versus mitigation strategies, it's also 13% at the bottom, and they're also asking for more existing translations private notes at the bottom. And so, yeah, this is called uh, Coronavirus, Why You Must Act Now. Politicians, community leaders, and business leaders, what should you do and when? I'll just read the first couple paragraphs so folks have an understanding, but it's a pretty long article and very descriptive. I'm really nailing it, finding the, the, the words that I'm thinking of at the moment. So do check out this article because there's a lot of information, a lot of statistics. 
up with everything that's happening about the coronavirus, it might be very hard to make a decision of what to do today. Wait for more information, do something today, what? Here's what I'm going to cover in this article, says the author, with lots of charts, data, and models, plenty of sources. How many cases of coronavirus will there be in the area? What will happen when these cases materialize? What should you do and when? When you're done reading the article, this is what you'll take away. The coronavirus is coming to you. It's coming at an exponential speed, gradually and then suddenly. It's a matter of days, maybe a week or two. When it does, your healthcare system will be overwhelmed. Your fellow citizens will be treated in the hallways. Exhausted healthcare workers will break down and die. They will have to decide which patient gets the oxygen and which The only way to prevent this is social dis distancing today, not tomorrow, today. That means keeping as many people home as possible starting now. As a politician, community leader, or business leader, you have the power and the responsibility to prevent this. You might have fears today. If I overreact, will people laugh at me? Will they be angry at me? Will I be stupid? Won't it be better to wait for others to take steps first? Will I hurt the economy too much? But in two to four weeks, when the entire world is in lockdown, in the few precious days of social distancing you will have enabled, you will have saved lives, people won't criticize you anymore. They will thank you for making the world okay with them. And I'll just go um, down the list of the different sections of this article. And again, you can find this at medium.com. And coronavirus act today is I've also shared this on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. -E How many cases of coronavirus will there be in your area? And there's a chart on community, excuse me, on country growth. A few charts on country, for instance, areas per country. There's a chart on the daily growth rate of cases between March 5th and March 6th. And again, I recognize there's a lot of information and it might be easy to feel overwhelmed. However, if we have information, then we can act accordingly. And I've always found it's worse to be in limbo and to not know what to do when, I'm, when I need to make a decision or I'm not sure what's going to happen. And of course, life is uncertain and we can only plan so much. And at the same time, if we have concrete information that can be trusted, it's easier to take action. And that will, in addition to protect ourselves and our neighbors and our communities, it will also I think, mitigate some of the, the fears that we have. And I was listening to another uh, show earlier, and they were talking about how it's not just the fear of this virus, it's there's that fear of the fear and how the panic, one, there's the, how that kind of changes people's behavior too, is that folks are, a lot of people are hoarding resources, some assholes are out buying things and then reselling them on eBay because you got to make a buck, I guess, even though it's a really horrible way to do that. And it's it's not just the the healthcare concern it's the, the behavioral and like the, the fear and what's how and i've noticed my own behavior changing a bit and of course i think like many folks who like to think of themselves as oh i'm a i, d I definitely know i have issues and things to work on certainly about my behavior and 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 all of that and also it's so hard not to take part in that uh fear-based mentality and those reactions and then that kind of self-serving nonsense and uh, and trying to really question it when I'm feeling something that doesn't quite feel right to me. Like, why am I, if I'm feeling like bigoted or I'm um, just feeling like the fear is kind of coming from an irrational place, I try to 
try to, I definitely don't always succeed, try to examine where where is that coming from and why am I thinking that? Why am I feeling that? And then also being aware of folks around me and am I just replicating behavior that's around me and what can be done? Because I feel like if the more folks who are able to um, be kind and generous and to really, it's it, it's inspiring and it's contagious in that way where if folks see other folks helping one another, it'll hopefully inspire others to do the same. So really wanting to keep that in mind uh, for myself. And yeah, it's, oh, I definitely don't have all the answers and there's so much that we don't know. And just being aware of that and doing what we can, to, again, to take care of ourselves and each other. So moving down with this article, have a timeline of events that happened in China, and China went to um, d diagnose people really uh, quickly, skimming the article here, cut down a lot of cities. Many regions in China, they're saying, were well-coordinated by the central government. They took immediate and drastic measures. And in doing so, they were able to postpone the virus from spreading and really like stop that from happening. We also have cases from Korea. They have cases from Washington State. Moving on. They have a lot of charts. Lots of information. So I'm scrolling down. They also have one from the area. I'm going to read that since it's a somewhat of a local show, although folks can listen to this anywhere they are. Until March 8th, the Bay Area didn't have any death. That made it hard to know how many true cases there were. Officially, there were 86 cases. The U.S. is vastly under-testing because it doesn't have enough kits. And also part of this is due to many of medical supplies were made in Puerto Rico, and then with the devastation of the hurricane there and Oh, so again, without people being taken care of, this leads to further and further. Oh, how many how many negative synonyms can I invent? I just keep wanting to say bad and harmful, but so much of what's happened in the past, it's not. Again, this didn't happen in a vacuum. So many events have led up to why we are here right now. Officially, there are 86 cases, but the U.S. is vastly under-testing because it doesn't have enough kits. The country decided to create their own test kit, which turned out not to work. Again, this is not a compliment. There were the number of tests carried out in different countries. They have a list here. Turkey. Um, Turkey, with no cases of coronavirus, had 10 times the testing per inhabitant than the U.S., situation is not much better today with 8,000 tests performed in the U.S. And again, this article came out a few days ago, although it has been updated. So lots of charts here. Scrolling down, France and Paris. The article was written, France claims 1,400 cases today and 30 deaths. <sighs> and they are saying that the true cases uh, in France is likely to be one and two orders or magnitude higher than reported. Graphs from Wuhan. Lots of graphs here. Lots of information. Grid. 
two, the second part of the article, what will happen when these coronavirus cases materialize? And, uh, and they're saying uh, the virus is already here, it's hidden and it's growing exponentially. What will happen in our countries when it hits? It's easy to know because we already have several places where it's happening. The best examples are Hubei and Dubai and Italy. Mortality rates. More charts growing now. So again, do check out this article. Lots of information. One of the most highlighted. I'm going to drink some water. One of the most highlighted pages was uh, countries that are overwhelmed will have a fatality rate between 3% and 5%. So uh, countries that act fast can reduce the number of deaths by a factor of 10. And that's just counting the fatality rate. Acting fast also drastically reduces the cases, making this even more of a negative. What will be the pressure on the system? Around 20% of cases require hospitalization, 5% of cases require the intensive care unit, and around 2.5% require very intensive help with items such as ventilators or ECMO, which is extracorporeal, extracorporeal oxygenation. Yes, they have another chart here, lots of charts. 80.9% uh, of the cases are mild. It's like the flu, just say to stay at home. 13.8 are severe, require hospitalization, and 4.7% are critical, which require intensive care. Cases here. Oh, goodness. Okay, the problem is that items such as ventilators and EMO can't be easily. A few years ago, the U.S. had a total of 250. ECMO machines. So if you suddenly have 10, 100,000 people infected, many of them will want to get tested. Around 20,000 will require hospitalization. 5,000 will need the ICU. And 1,000 will need machines that we don't have enough of today. And that's just with 100,000 cases. Down, they have a, another article, or another piece of the article, what an overwhelmed healthcare system looks like. Long. What should you do? Uh, flatten the curve. This is a pandemic now. Eliminated. But what you can do is impact. Social distancing. Learnings from the 1918 flu pandemic. They have a chart that. Lots more information. So they also have a piece on how can politicians contribute to social distancing, containment, follows the lines approach. And uh, they say the lengths at which it went to contain the virus are mind-boggling. For example, they had up to 1,800 teams of five people each tracking every infected person, everybody they got interacted with, and everybody those people interacted with. That's how they were able to contain the virus across a billion people country. So have a delay in coronavirus spread in China based on travel restrictions. Nation. Nation. 
uh, how can business leaders contribute to social distancing? Uh, it talks about working from home and restricted visits, travel, and events. Or um, question number four is when? Very possible that so far you've agreed with everything the author has said. Risk based model for triggers. Of a group of leaders, conclusion, the cost of waiting. So, in summary, it's bad to wait. That's that's what they're saying here. Hear the word. So, right now there's translations in French, Spanish, Italian, German, Bulgarian, Russian, Turkish, Ukrainian, Polish, Czech, Slovakian, Greek, and Arabic. So, if you are a polyglot, bilingual, multilingual, um, in a language that is I didn't just mention, um, please do get in touch. You can find this article again at medium.com at Thomas Pueo, and that's T-O-M, or Tomas. My apologies if I've mispronounced it. T-O-M-A-S-P-U-E-Y-O forward slash coronavirus dash act dash play for people. Alright, I'm going to play some more music to try to get things set up for the rest of the show. So please do stay tuned and we'll be back uh, after this. We took a trip to the seaside I held you tightly by the hand We took a dip by the moonlight You left your Nikes on the sand I didn't come to see the ocean I didn't come to see the sights I know that something here is broken And I can see it in your eyes but I don't see why
the rising of the sun Avoiding all your shy mates and trailing in the wake of the loud ones Trying to shout above the drums But you're wiser now than you were, your bark is like your bite If you have a gut feeling, maybe you should go with it this time
Weekly review. Our stream might be down at the moment, so we are looking to get that back up. And I did want to share a few more pieces of information with folks here. One is a mutual aid that folks can check out, and that can be found at bit.ly forward slash COVID 19. Collective care. Again, bit.ly forward slash COVID. The numbers one and nine. C O L L E C T I V E C A R E. This editable document, accessible, and they provide the address, is meant to be a resource for people looking to take care of themselves and their communities through personal preparation, collective care, mutual aid, and advocacy. You're welcome to add to and edit this document or copy these resources for sharing elsewhere as long as it's done with the intention to help people prepare and support each other. If you think a listed resource is offensive, misleading, or mislinked, please comment, and uh, the person who wrote this will review it. And they also say, do you know another resource this could get combined with? Have an idea for making it more useful? Want to help add or admin this doc? Comment to let this person know. And... The table of contents includes what's happening, media coverage, uh, what can be done about it, including advocacy and mutual aid, uh, look out for each other, uh, tips on personal preparation, existing mutual aid projects, tips for collective care and mutual aid, uh, including disability justice focus, tips for educators and organizations, financial and basic needs resources, including government benefits, stay connected, stay informed. And so yes, again, lots of information there. I've also shared it recently on Twitter, at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R, you can find that information there. Um, so as mentioning before, unfortunately, there's a great clinic in San Francisco called Lion Martin. Lion Martin has been at the forefront of providing health care for um, trans folks and cis women. And they, HealthRight360, which is, they kind of merged with Lion Martin about four years ago, I believe, are now threatening to move Lion Martin and cut 90% of their services. Now, currently, I've, I'm a patient at Lion Martin. They have helped me out numerous times, both with mental health, medical health, physical health, and it's I know it's also helped out numerous other people. If anything, I feel like they are understaffed and can use even more support and more funding. So the fact that they are being threatened with uh, having to cut services is that's gonna honestly it's gonna kill a lot of people. So especially in the midst of this epidemic with uh, COVID-19, really important that all health clinics not only stay open, but we provide even more resources for them and not do the opposite, which is to cut cut costs and cut healthcare workers. So there was a protest out there last night, and big thanks to Hans Lindahl, who um, spoke and also interviewed folks, and there's some video footage as well. And 
I was going to play a few folks who were speaking last night. And I don't know if I can play them in, I'm trying to play them in order. It's uh, been quite a, a morning so far. So, going to play what I can. And so, yeah, stay tuned. And again, this is from a protest outside of Lion Martin last night. Here we are again. Thank you to all of you for coming out today to exhibit your anger, your disappointment, and the slew of emotions that you may be feeling when, you, when an organization responsible for holding up a mission of providing competent health care in a safe environment for queer people decides that the effort is no longer needed. And I'll just pause this. This speaker is Elizabeth Sakara, who was the second speaker last night. I started at Lyon Martin after getting frustrated at a as a hospital nurse and seeing the lack of general understanding of queer competent healthcare and witnessing actively aggressive and abusive behavior from healthcare providers. I then dedicated my life to spreading understanding and promoting changes to have healthcare be accessible for the trans and non-binary community. Yeah. The decision that Health Right 360 has made perpetuates the systems of violence that the LGBTQ community endures on a daily basis. This type of decision is what increases disparities in health outcomes for a population who is already marginalized and has been shown by the healthcare industry that their healthcare is an afterthought, an inconvenience, and too costly to the system. I asked HealthRight360 how many transgender or non-binary people were at the table when this decision was made. How many patients were consulted on how it would impact their ability to access healthcare? And who did they inquire from the queer community about the mission of Lion Martin and what it means to create a safe space for healthcare delivery? My assumption is none. There were no representative voices at that table. As the clinic director of Lion Martin for eight years, there was a time we were facing imminent closure. This feels very familiar. At that time, we saw the community rally for their own rights and the rights of others to have access to competent care. After many years of working with amazing individuals, we were able to create a balanced budget for the first time in 2014. It was then that we started discussing a merger with HealthRight360. We had many conversations at that time about the importance of keeping the culture of Lion Martin alive through having a separate space designated for the delivery of our care and continuing to have our staff represent the patients we serve. They assured us at that time that they understood the importance of this and committed to it as a fundamental part of meeting Lion Martin's mission. I understand that consolidation is sometimes necessary. I wonder why it is necessary in this case, though. I've heard for years that Lion Martin, under the leadership of HealthRight360, has not been making enough money to balance their budget. But I ask what's been done to assist us in meeting this request. Historically, we've balanced our budget and diversified our cash flow through rigorous grants pro grant programs and to close the gap. We worked on improving efficiencies to see more patients and created a larger mental health team in order to meet the need of our clients as well as creating more billable visits. What has HealthRight360 done to prove their support and understanding of this program beyond eating the cost of a deficit? Why are other sites able to meet this financial demand and Lion Martin isn't? What resources do the other sites have that Lion Martin lacks? This does not pass the sniff test. True allies work within the community to understand how to lift and amplify the voice of others. But HealthRight360 has not allowed Lion Martin a true seat at the table 
to have their voice be heard. I urge Healthright360 to take a step back and understand their own culpability in this and hold themselves accountable to how they have shown up for our community and how they can choose this moment to either understand the need and help our community thrive or leave us out to dry like so many other agencies, institutions, and companies have done before them. My heart hurts over this broken promise that Health Right 360 leaders made to the staff and the community of Lyme Martin. I wish I could hold up a mirror for them so they could see what I see, which is ignorance, privilege, disorganization, reactivity, and indifference in the face of real humans, real lives, real culture, and a rich history with all of those who have fought before us and continue to fight for equal access and outcomes in healthcare. I also see the Health Right 360 leadership as real people who are trying to do their best and are misguided in their decisions. Vitka, Jack, Anna, and Tony, I know you're out there. I'm not here, but you can hear me. I want to remind you that you can change course at any moment and decide to learn and grow in order to help build something that is greater than yourself. You too can join a movement that lifts the voice of those who need to be heard. Thanks everyone so much for all of your support. Um, so my work is, I'm actually a program director for Gender Health SF with the, with the San Francisco Department of Public Health. But I'm also a community member, long-time advocate, and really have worked in the field of transgender health and um, HIV prevention for about 20 years. So I'm not just channeling my experience, but also those of all of our mentors who really championed transgender health and access to healthcare for many of our, our, our communities. And also for thinking through kind of channeling our younger generations who, who would need services such as Lyme and Martin. So with that, some of you may know that San Francisco is known to be one of the epicenters for groundbreaking innovative transgender rights, community advocacy, transgender health research, care, and access. That's a big deal when you think about the, our, our state in, in, the, in the nation to really pave that way. We have paved the way for other jurisdictions to model trans-inclusive healthcare because of our visibility, collective community work, advocacy, institutional partnerships, cutting-edge community-based programming cared by trans community health centers. In my 20 years of experience of work in HIV, transgender health and advocacy in San Francisco, I have witnessed trans and non-binary people live rich, full, healthy, and resilient lives because of the care that they receive at Lion Martin Health Services. That is a big deal. That sentence real and long-standing to see our community today, our resilience, and the impacts of these health centers fostering healthy, vibrant trans lives and communities. The, health, the threat to reduce and relocate Lion Martin, women's, Lion Martin and Women's Community Clinic serves as a threat to prioritize the health and well-being of San Francisco's trans and non-binary communities. This is something that... That is something that our communities have worked hard for over the decades. And it's a great concern that our community will lose integrated queer and trans-competent primary care, hormone therapy, referrals for gender-affirming surgeries, gynecological and sexual health care, and so on and so forth, to, to really provide whole person care for our communities, right? These are vital services and programming that are risk for for our risk for being lost because of the plan to consolidate under Health Right 360. For so many years in the advent of HIV, many trans and non-binary people had to fight to be seen, 
to be counted and have equitable access to trans-affirming health care. Maya asked of you today to do what we do best in San Francisco and stand up for programs and services that enrich the benefits, the health and well-being of our communities. So take action by talking to local public health officials, our, our board of supervisors, um, take, uh, participate in tomorrow's um, social media campaign to really create visibility um, on this issue. At the same time, fill out some cards and get involved. Thank you. When I say trans health, you say Lion Martin. Trans health. Lion Martin. Trans health. Lion Martin. Trans health. Lion Martin. We are all out here in this beautiful spring, is it spring still? Spring air in the midst of a public health pandemic. We are standing in safe distances, social distancing, and we are here taking a risk because Lion Martin helps to alleviate risk. This clinic makes people feel safe. You heard from Javier, you heard from JM, you heard from doctors, directors, people who provide care every day to the patient population that feels like home. My name is Jennifer Esteen, and I'm a nurse. I'm a public health nurse here in San Francisco. I'm a psychiatric nurse, and I'm also the vice president of organizing for SDIU 1021. And I'm here today. I'm here today as a black masculine woman who never knew a place like Lion Martin existed. I grew up in the deep south in a Catholic town where being gay was not acceptable. Being myself was not okay. And if I had known about a place like this as a kid, how different my adulthood would have been. Today, luckily, I live in the Bay Area and I feel at home. Having a place like Lion Martin for every other young person, every other old person, every other person who needs care, this is a very important place. We cannot allow it to close. We cannot allow reductions. We cannot allow layoffs. Right now, Lion Martin is facing a 90% service reduction. If this site closes, Lion Martin and the Women's Community Clinic are going to have to move. And it may seem like a short distance to go two blocks to the Health Right 360 home site, but those two blocks mean no gender-affirming facility. It means mixing in a population of caregivers and other patients who don't understand what it is to be misgendered, who don't understand what it is to be afraid of health care. That is not okay. We need our folks to feel safe every single day when they come here. When a man walks in the door and says, I'm having a menstrual cycle, we need providers who understand what that means. If a man walks in the door and says, I need an abortion because I got raped, we need providers who understand how to be gentle with them the same way they would be gentle with anyone else. You get that here. the mayor of San Francisco, London Breeze, we are asking our board of supervisors to stand with us. We are asking Senator Scott Weiner to help keep Lion Martin open and make it successful, make it so that it doesn't have any risk ever again. Three 
maybe gonna close is too many. There should never be a maybe gonna close ever again. We are trendsetters and we can continue to provide education for providers. We can continue to provide a safe space for people who need care. We can make sure that no matter who you are, walking through the street, walking in these doors, passing by, that you feel welcome. So we need the city of San Francisco to support us all. The next person who's gonna speak is Raphael Mandelman from the Board of Supervisors. Did I get that right? Okay. And he's gonna tell you all about the city's gonna be great. These were three speakers from last night's rally outside Martin. The last speaker was Christine Martinez and there's quite a few more working on downloading the videos at the moment. So today has just been one of those technologically uh, iffy days uh, for me here at the station, perhaps for other folks as well. So we are recording, and hopefully the folks will be able to listen to this in the future. Oh my. So I do recognize that with this virus, there has been a, maybe a, not necessarily a shortage, but Perhaps folks haven't been talking about other things that are happening in the world. Something positive, and again, the positive news stories on the show quite often are when something negative stops happening, and that's that Chelsea Manning will be freed. Again, uh, Chelsea had attempted suicide recently, and a judge recently ordered her to be freed. So um, let's hope Chelsea gets to, to stay out and uh, forever. And I'm thinking about all the other folks who are currently also incarcerated political prisoners out there who also deserve to be free. Uh, there is a, a GoFundMe out because they were charging uh, Chelsea with insane amounts of money simply because she would not kowtow to the government in terms of speaking out against Julian Assange and other folks who have other, other whistleblowers out there. So there's a GoFundMe that's up for Chelsea as well to try to raise more funds. And there's also lots of mutual aid pieces going around in terms of supporting folks. I myself uh, am mostly a freelancer, so it is tricky um, when work is canceled and there's not enough worker protections in order to be, you know, to cover all of us. So I'll throw it out there. It's difficult to ask because I recognize I'm in a position where I have, uh, but still can't hurt. Uh, feel free to Venmo me. Um, leave my Venmo. Let me check on that before I, I share that with we also have a Patreon up for the show, patreon.com forward slash dev. And I'll also share my Venmo handle. So if folks happen to have a few extra bucks, or if you're one of the folks who's able to work from home uh, and can donate a few bucks, that would be great. I've been doing the show now for over six years. The last five and a half years or so are available on mutinyradio.fm. So if you would like to... Uh, Share a little bit with those of us who are unable to work from home, please do so. My Venmo handle is at R-O-M-A-N dash R-I-M-E-R. Thank you so much. Deeply appreciated. Okay. Um, and also on PayPal. Putting that out there. Okay. Oh, goodness. So, yes, sharing lots of information the best that we can. Also, it's going down well, I also want to encourage folks to sign a petition that's put forward by ACCE. You can 
can find them at accection.org. I recently received an email as of this morning for uh, folks here, and then I'll read some info about it. And this is um, an immediate, calling for an, in California, an immediate moratorium on all evictions uh, with double-digit increases in the homeless population across the state and some of the most expensive rental markets in the nation, the need to protect residents facing eviction and homelessness, and the potential spread of this disease is of paramount importance to the health, safety, and welfare of your constituents. So this is a letter out there to Gavin Newsom. Uh, emergency income assistance, preserve medical benefits, prevent utility shutoff. So all these things that are really crucial, and you can sign if you go to accceaction.org forward slash stop coronavirus. And yeah, more info at accceaction.org. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot more petitions out there. And again, this is the kind of thing that should already be in place. And if all these things were already in place, uh, prevention from people being evicted, healthcare benefits, et cetera, sick leave, then there wouldn't be this push for it so much because it would already be in place. And folks would be able to say, okay, well, I don't have to go into work because I, I know I'll still be able to support myself or I won't be evicted. But unfortunately, I've heard of a lot of, or certainly some gig workers, certainly, who don't have that option. And so folks, even if they're afraid that they might be sick or they might be might make someone else sick, they have to take that risk um, because they're not given a lot of options. And I've been also been thinking recently about how, not so much recently, it's always been a thought, or very often it's been a thought in my mind of how not everyone is given the same options, which seems obvious. We're all born into this world under different circumstances at different times to different people, in different places. And as we grow up, not everyone is treated the same and not everyone has the same benefits and access to spaces and not everyone's voices are, are heard or you know listened to or taken seriously. And some people are met with punishment and penalization and criminalization simply for existing while other folks can actually be criminals and just still just go to the top and continue committing crimes and harming folks. And so because of this, not everyone is provided with different options in the world. And ideally, the more options you have, the easier it is to survive and to thrive in this world. When you only have certain, like a few different ways that you can exist in the world, as you can present yourself, as you can make money, as you can support your family, places you can be, the more limiting that is, the fewer choices one has, the fewer behaviors that one can use to, to be alive. And I hope that that's something out there that's something that folks can really recognize, especially along the lines of criminalizing poverty and getting upset at folks who might have to, I mean, the idea of like stealing food, it's like food should be provided for anyway. And the fact that somehow that is criminalized while there are, Companies that throw out food, for instance, like that to me seems to be more abhorrent than folks taking what they need to feed themselves and their families. <sighs> I'm wearing gloves at the station. I don't know how I feel about it. I recognize it's that thing where it, I was washing my hands a lot and I had hand sanitizer with me and doing it a lot. And uh, it does definitely feel like you can only protect one so much. And for me, it was more like, all right, let me see if I can be at the station and, you know, protect myself, protect others. And it does definitely change one's feeling about things. Same with wearing a, an N95 mask. 
something else that's been discussed a lot too is disabled workers and how there are so many folks who for so long have been advocating for worker worker rights and how folks can work from home. And again, it's this thing where now that it's affecting, this virus is affecting more people, now companies and businesses are taking it more seriously when all along they could have very well been like, yes, if you're unable to come in, sure, work from home. It's It's that simple. And again, I think it's this thing where more and more folks are recognizing that if something affects someone else, it's eventually, uh, you know, it you it does affect you, and also it, it's an injury. You know, the saying "an injury to one is an injury to all." So why wouldn't you want your fellow workers and your fellow human beings on this earth to have the most easy, um, accessible life that you can have? All of these things are possible. It's not, we are, you know, folks are not asking for anything that is out of reach. It's all possible. It's just the willingness for folks to, to go forward with it. So lots of events are being canceled, et cetera, et cetera. I was going to go to, uh, I'm also not wearing headphones. It just feels a little bit off today, to be honest. And having some difficulty opening up some of these videos. Oh, no. Okay. So we'll see what we can do and perhaps play some more next week if we're in here next week. So, uh, hmm, okay. Let's see. Let's go back to some articles since uh, as far as tech stuff goes. I'm on the reading articles right now is something that I am able to do, so we're going to keep up with that. It's going down. You can follow them at IGD underscore news. It's an anarchist news site. As public spaces and events are shut down due to the coronavirus, the need for building mutual aid survival programs is now greater than ever, especially in the face of the dramatic failure of the state to respond to this crisis. They have a thread for inspiration. Look and see what this thread says. And again, as always, I am learning, uh, constantly learning every day. Lots of learning, lots of unlearning. And so in their thread, last summer, they talked to the Twitter handle is at S-I-M-A-L-E-E-R-B-G of the F-C-R Collective, um, who organized a free store and free grocery program in D.C. And there's a podcast that they've shared. I'm going to share this now on Twitter. Again, you can follow me at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. I mostly do a lot of retweets and just sharing information. Occasionally, I'll comment on things. And there's also a lot of folks who are already commenting on things and saying things so much more succinctly to the point than I could. So also just amplifying those folks' voices. Uh, and they also have in Puerto Rico, uh, for the past several years, despite, oh, excuse me, people across the island have set up assemblies, squatted buildings, set up mutual aid community centers, and organized to carry out wide-scale disaster relief in the face of hurricanes and earthquakes. And um, let's play, let's hear some people's voices who are not my own, which is the best that we can do here. Share this. What I'm seeing is that with each, everybody was stunned, everybody was traumatized, but we figured it out. You know, we started discovering our power. We started discovering each other. We started linking up our struggles, right? And then we started growing stronger and stronger, and we're still growing. What I'm seeing is that with each event, with each disaster, 
with each protest or uprising, we're learning, right? We're growing stronger and we're moving along a path that's very clearly laid out, right? And it's, it's again, it's driven by these values, these basic values of self-organization and self-management, right? And just operating completely autonomously from the state. And we're getting better and better. We're getting more and more coordinated, right? We have experience. We know now how to activate and how to coordinate after disasters. We know how to activate and how to coordinate and how to, you know, and what to expect from armed organs of the state. I really think that we're on the verge of seeing um, yet another model, right? Like the Zapatistas, like Rojava, we're on the verge of seeing uh, another light, right? Within this sort of consuming darkness of the world. Um, it's already, the spark is already there and the flame is catching on. It's a reason because they gotta lash out. These are the last gasps. This of is the a clip from the, uh, and it's the first piece uh, from "It's Going Down." It's about uh, community power, autonomy, and infrastructure in D.C. In the '80s, when we were under Ray Gun, as Gil Scott Heron used to call them, these, some of these things weren't even happening, man. Like factories are gone. Uh, Detroit is gone. I lived in Baltimore. 20,000 plus or so more um, abandoned homes just shuttered and closed. And there are other cities and states that don't get talked about that are pretty much, you know, shutting down and, and losing people and losing jobs and schools are closing. Like, if that's not an indication that something isn't working, i.e. capitalism, and that that's crumbling, then look at Trump's own cabinet where every week he's firing somebody else. Nixon wasn't even this messy. Yeah. I mean, this is like, like seriously, like past all the rhetoric and how pissed off it is, they're digging in deeper. Why do you think they're trying to ban abortion? Why do you think they're coming against trans and queer people? It's a reason because they've got to lash out. These are the last gasps of this shit. And it's our job to hasten the crumble. It's really... From the outside in, it might not look like it, but from the inside out, oh man, this stuff is crumbling. It's falling apart. And moving down, and again, you can find this full thread at, at IG, IGD underscore news. Article that last fall, they interviewed people across the Southeast who organized a series of autonomous supply chains and hubs. Which were utilized to provide aid in the face of Hurricane Dorian, both in the U.S. and in the Bahamas. Another article going through that was a cross between uh, below and beneath, I believe. Uh, this model showed people across multiple states to pool supplies in order to offer direct aid to those in need. A system which could easily be replicated again. Another article. This is America number thirty-one. Autonomous Florence relief efforts. In the summer of twenty eighteen. 
blocked two autonomous groups who, in the face of Hurricane Florence, were able to fly relief goods and help save those states where nonprofits were being established, setting up community centers to distribute aid and supplies. Then, in the face of government of a government shutdown, uh, going down, talked to groups like the at SB underscore ATL and at Wild who were organizing community food programs in the banks of the Colorado Springs. On J20 of 2019, groups across the U.S. organized mutual aid events against the backdrop of the shutdown. Next article, in Tacoma, autonomous groups organized to give out free food to working class after heavy snows shut down schools, cutting off access to free meals again, another program that could easily be reproduced. The group Mutual Aid Relief has been instrumental in mobilizing and training folks about how to respond to disaster. That's at Mutual Aid Relief. And they interviewed them here about how they build a free clinic and community center in Florida in the wake of several hurricanes. In Chico, California, in the face of a massive campfire, anarchists, community members, and houseless folks organized a squat of to organize to squat a large tract of land and set up a relief center and distribution hub. Next up, in the wake of Hurricane Harvey in Texas, many groups came together to organize a variety of autonomous relief programs. In early 2019, they sat down with members of Mutual Aid Relief to look back on autonomous disaster relief efforts and how they have grown in recent years. And they say, these examples are not blueprints, but they do offer ideas and insights as to what constructing an autonomous, grassroots, and mutual aid-driven response to the coronavirus pandemic might look like at a time when the state couldn't care if we live or die. So there's quite a lot of information there and a lot of examples of, uh, that we can all learn from. Okay, so next up, I did want to share, I guess there's well, other things that folks can do to take action. So perhaps if folks are staying in, um, there are some actions that folks can take. And I always do like to share upcoming actions that, that folks can participate in, um, whether it's spreading the word, signing petitions, calling representatives, having conversations with people, donating you know, funds if you have them. And this is just the upcoming. There's a lot of bills similar to what Sima Lee was saying in one of the clips we listened to, how there's been lashing out at trans folks. And as a trans person, it's pretty, even if I wasn't trans, I'd be like, wow, this is disgusting, and we should all be able to support one another. And so this is from uh, Chase Frangio, who has, is a lawyer and has been updating folks with all of the attacks that are happening against trans people and trans students in particular. So there's like... um. Idaho, there's one. Okay, so in Idaho, there's a amendment HB 500, which would require a person to have a genital inspection or chromosome test or a hormone test, um, to with their and their idea would it would limit trans folks in sports, which is just obscene, and also it affects cis folks, of course. So it would just say, and intersex folks as well. It's awful. So that's the HB 500 amendment, which is. In Idaho, it's being heard again today, and they have, the wording has changed. Also, Chris Mosier, you can follow as a trans athlete. Um, you can urge all Idaho lawmakers to vote no on HB 500. You can follow Chris Mosier at T 
T-H-E-C-H-R-I-S-M-O-S-I-E-R. You can also follow Chase uh, Strangio. Oh, my gosh. And then there's also, of course, fuckface Trump has, as, as I'm going down the, the list of tweets here, some more information. Um, an NPR source says that Trump blocked coronavirus testing in January to aid his reelection chances by keeping U.S. infection figures low. So that's pretty fucking disgusting. Um, Moving along, uh, moving, moving down. There's lots of information here. So again, okay. So Alabama is moving forward with a bill. Um, and this came out earlier today. Someone else. So uh, SB two nineteen slash HB three hundred three that will make health care for trans youth a felony. So now they're going to make Healthcare a felony. Yes, you heard that correctly. They plan to jail doctors for saving lives, and in the midst of a global pandemic, they choose to criminalize healthcare instead of provide it. Hashtag no HB 303. Hashtag AL politics. Um, update on Chelsea Manning. They raised a lot of funds. There's also a, again, there's a GoFundMe. If you type in GoFundMe, you can help dash Chelsea dash Manning. Find more information there. Well, or excuse me, it's GoFundMe forward slash help dash Chelsea dash her dash court dash. Okay, and they're they're doing pretty well with that one. And I recognize there's lots of folks out there who can use funds. And also just a call to stop arrests during the pandemic, which should have happened anyway. Oh my goodness, lots of lots of things happening. There's also a Oh my gosh, so many things to get to. I haven't even, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm just going to keep on talking. That's what I'm going to do. There's a microphone in front of me. I'm going to keep on talking. From uh, Greg Gonsalves, and that's G-R-E-G-G-G-O-N-S-A-L-V-E-S. Twitter handle. Surveillance is at the heart of the epidemic control, and that means testing. The U.S. has failed to abjectly over the past three months that are likely to face, that we are likely to face a far worse epidemic here that might have been uh, if we had had our act together, that there's also um, at prison culture. I really uh, recommend following that account if you don't already on Twitter. There's a coronavirus quarantine resources for parents. Google Doc has information there as well. Um, lots of folks are just also calling to cancel student debt all altogether, which again should have happened anyway. A lot of these things should have happened anyway. Okay, so also as far as going back to the, uh, okay, I'll, I'll read uh, Chase's tweet. I cannot believe that Ohio, Missouri, Alabama, Louisiana, and Tennessee are still considering jailing doctors who treat trans youth with life-saving treatment in the midst of this p of a pandemic. Is this what we want government to be doing? We need to support medical care, not criminalize it. So again, this is happening in a lot of cities and states, or States, if you live in one of those and or know folks who do, please do. And even if you don't, reach out to officials and let them know that this is unacceptable. All right. We've got about 20 minutes left. Ugh. And I'm going to 
Wow. All right. I'm going to go down and look at a few more news stories here. I wanted to share. There's just there's a lot. I'm going to take a bit of a music break, and then we'll be back and finish up the show. That sounds about right. Uh, yeah, again, this is music from the big moon. Back in a bit. All right, and welcome back to the Weekly Review. We've got Benjamin Dixon on the phone. Benjamin, thanks for calling in. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, I've been following you on Twitter and really appreciate all that you've been saying. So uh, the air is open, so feel, please feel free. You're welcome to speak about yourself or your experiences and or anything else you'd like to share with the listeners. Yeah, no, first of all, thank you for having me. And um, I appreciate the work that you're doing uh, and inviting me. I think all independent media is critical at this juncture in American history Yes, because we can't really depend on mainstream media to give um, objectivity. But more important than just objectivity is asking the right question and right. exploring the question. And so I think the work that you're doing here is, is, is critical. So I thank you for that. Um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm Ben Dixon, host of the Benjamin Dixon Show. I'm the guy that broke the Michael Bloomberg audio story, and uh, I'm a supporter of Bernie Sanders. We put out the Bernie Bruh video that went viral. Yes, So it's yes. been a pretty eventful couple of weeks for me, but um, I, the thing I like most about it is being able to have these conversations. Definitely. It's great to connect and to share resources and information, and it's also just so validating to know that we're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think um, our strength is in our numbers. I think what people need to realize is that you know people dismiss uh, independent media, whether it be independent radio stations, radio shows, or podcasting, or 
you know, they kind of dismiss us as not um, the serious professionals. Yeah. But that's not true. We That's not true. Like, we ask the best questions. Yep. We explore. We seek the truth. And we have a network that is amazing. Like, you're not alone. Like, there, there are thousands of us, people who care about the causes that we're fighting for. We care about climate. Uh, we, clear, we care about Medicare for all. We care about uh, progressive values to help people uh, uh, prosper their lives. And there's a lot of us. So you're far from alone. Indeed. So um, I guess what have been some of the most surprising things that you've encountered in the last few? I guess, I mean, I feel like also just so much has been going on in the last yeah it's it's hard to even pinpoint a an exact uh, time or exact question i was curious about anything recently that you felt uh 